We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome into the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. I am your host here to do a Saturday q and I'm sure there's uh, nothing uh, important to talk about today at all. So uh, happy to be here with my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, how you doing, man? Speechless. Um, well, Alex is doing really well today. Um, Rutgers lost some basketball game, I think um or whatever uh so yeah alex is oh alex is back there Hello, alex there we go maybe alex uh he wants oh. to let you everybody know that he loves the city of pittsburgh and the city oh. of cincinnati oh. okay that's what we're doing the west right. coast oh alex All you're right. back yeah back uh no uh anything Ty- i didn't hear what tyler said until he said pittsburgh but uh yeah uh not true yeah, I asked. I asked how you were doing, and then you you froze, and so Tyler stepped yeah. in on your behalf, and uh, you know s- proclaimed your love for Pittsburgh and Carson Wentz, and um... I didn't go that far. Jeez, <laughs> yeah, you were I mean, I do, football. I, I, I do love Carson Wentz. I do love that Washington is paying him twenty eight million. <laughs> yeah, uh, Tyler, how you doing, man? I'm doing very well. Thanks. Cool. Sounds good. So happy to be here on a Saturday. Shout out to. Uh, Envy Talent. Today is his birthday, I guess. So happy birthday. Um, longtime supporter of the show. Happy for uh, him to be here. Um, so he does have a question with his super chat. So we'll get things rolling. Uh, as always, if you feel so inclined to use a super chat feature, that will make sure that your questions get answered. Otherwise, you know, hit us up in the chat. So Envy's uh, question Do you see the Chargers handling tackle in the draft or free agency? um alex what do you make of this question uh both i mean i think they can kind of do it and and double up uh i do think they'll address their starter um in free agency if that's what we're talking about whether that's like uh don't think it's gonna be lyle collins uh seems like he's a bengal already but probably like a billy turner kind of player like i do think they'll get a guy on a short-term deal um, that, you know, kind of wants to maybe sign a one or two year deal to kind of get a bigger contract later down the road. I think that's possible. We've talked about Dennis Kelly a bunch of times on the show. 
Um, so I, I always think that's kind of an option. So I think that's going to be your starter. But I do think it's also still possible they fortify the depth uh, and right tackle in the draft um, with one of their day three picks um, or even potentially their round three pick. Um, but, you know, I don't if we're choosing like they take a Trevor Penning or they sign a guy in free agency, then I think they go free agency. Yeah, I would have said draft and I might still lean draft, but then they've cleared up nine million dollars in cap space this year, which yeah. did definitely change things because before it was like, OK, you just got to resign the rest of your guys, maybe find a corner four, and that's kind of it. But with the new money, you can definitely do a lot more with that. So I do think they'll address the starter in free agency. And then if they draft anyone in the draft, I think it's going to be one of those random seventh round picks. At this point, they've kept Storm. They believe in Trey Pipkins. And I think that's kind of their backup tackle group. So to me, it's find your starter in free agency, maybe take someone very late in the draft. But really, to me, it's going to be you know Slater, the person they find in free agency at right tackle. Pipkins is your swing. Norton for a camp battle. And then maybe one more seventh rounder just to be a camp battle as well. I think that's how they'll address it. Yeah, I kind of agree there. I think, you know, heading into free agency, I would have said, you know, sign a veteran and then draft somebody in like the third, fourth round, you know, like Max Mitchell or Abraham Lucas or uh, Braxton Jones, kind of that level where, you know, you're getting you're going to give them kind of a redshirt season. Like I said, you know, doing the whole like O'Day and Brennan Hymas equivalent at tackle. Um, now that we know that Storm Norton is going to be back, I, I could certainly see them pivoting to doing that later, like in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. Um, but I, I do think that they'll get a veteran at that right tackle position. Um, Brandon Staley, you know, has continually said that he wants to be a trench team and, and fortify the trenches. And so I can't imagine that they leave the starter right tackle position open until the draft. I just, I just can't see that being a realistic thing. And there's so much hype now on Trevor Penning being a top 10 pick and Charles Cross and, now David Ojabo is off the board, so now pass rusher is kind of weaker. Um, unfortunately, after you know tearing his Achilles, so um, I, I'd be pretty shocked if there was a worthy right tackle selection at seventeen at this point. And uh, you know, so I, I think it's going to be a veteran for sure. If it is right tackle at seventeen, they've sort of prepared themselves to do that. Like I think they thought, sure, we're not getting a better edge at seventeen. We're not getting a better corner at seventeen. But we might be able to get a right tackle at 17. They haven't addressed that yet. I feel like Telesco has one very predictable move in the first round. By the time we get to the 17th pick, we'll know basically who they're taking between maybe one or two players. It seems to be very obvious. Last year, it was Derrissaw or Slater. Just I didn't expect Slater, but it was one of those two guys. So I think by the time we get that, they could take a tackle at 17 still. And I, I'm going to give their relationship with Duke Manyweather a bit of weight here just because of you know, the input that he had last year with Rashawn Slater, obviously, clearly they reached out to him for something, for some sort of advice there, and they took Slater. So if they feel that Penning could be there at 17, which I don't know, it's, it's tough to gauge exactly how the league, like it's a huge reach. It's a huge reach if he's going to go at 12, 13, wherever he's projected to go, maybe a top 10. But yeah. I think he's a shot to be there. And if, you know, they've been working with Duke on the side and they kind of, I've been tracking his progress and how he's developed with Duke in the last year or so, kind of like Slater did, although he had a very long time to develop with Duke. I could still be, I could still see that pick being the pick at 17 and then go wide receiver round three. Hey, you you know who uh, else is working with Duke Mannyweather this year? Is it Raymond? No, uh, Trey Pipkins is working with Duke Mannyweather. Is this his first year? Yeah, this is his first year working with Duke. 
<laughs> Maybe we don't need a tackle. We could just stick Trey Pipkins there now. But uh, mm. it, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I don't think that Trevor Penning by any means is ready to play right away. And, and that's kind of the problem. Like, I mean, you probably start him from day one, but he's not going to give you the production Slater gave. And then I feel like people are kind of going to be viewing him through the lens of Slater, if that's the case. Um, and I just don't think, you know, with the penalty issues, the fact that he played at a lower division of football, uh, I think that's kind of going to be a tough sell. But yeah, yeah I mean, I, I thought Edge was off the board when they got Mac, frankly, and now it's sort of definitely off the board with the Ajabo injury. Uh, and they're probably okay at corner, but uh, I, I don't see them going there with the JC Jackson signing. Um, I think that they'll probably take a corner in a later round. So, um, yeah, I mean, right tackle is kind of the biggest need right now, but that can obviously change in the next week. Yeah, um, I, I think that that can change. And, you know, if they decide to bring in somebody like a Dennis Kelly or a Billy Turner and, you know, they have a legitimate competition and Trey Pipkins wins that competition, then honestly, I, I think that's a possibility. Like, I, I wouldn't be necessarily shocked by that. As long as there's that competition, as long as this isn't another situation where, you know, another KJ Hill situation where Pipkins is just kind of handed the starting position. So I, I can't imagine that's going to be the case. Again, you know, Brandon Staley has made his intentions very clear to me. Um, but I do think that Trey Pipkins starting is at least at least has an outside shot of happening. Um, but I do expect yeah. them to, you know, bring in that veteran. Alex mentioned the Lyle Collins thing. Um, somebody from Sports Illustrated Cincinnati mentioned that that's trending in the right direction last night. Um, you know, he was in Cincinnati pretty much all day meeting with people. His old position coach is the offensive line coach there. He went to LSU and we know how the Bengals have that LSU connection. So that kind of seems like that's trending towards happening. Um, if it doesn't, though, I mean, Riley Reef is is the best option after that. And, you know, he's got coaching ties with Joe Lombardi in Detroit and Ryan Ficken from his days in Minnesota. He's basically played his entire career in the Shanahan outside zone kind of scheme. So there's a lot of check marks with Riley Reef, and I do think that he is, you know, the best option for 2022. Yeah, that makes sense, and that's fine by me. Again, I'd rather they go this route and take the best guy at 17. As far as Pipkin's starting goes, I know people have brought up that, well, you know, well, when Belaga went down, it was Norton right away. I do think that, a, you know, since then we've seen the two games that Pipkins had at left or right, and that does mean a lot. And B, we have had a coaching change. Frank Smith is no longer there. I don't know whose decision it was to do what along the offensive line. I would assume he played a big part in that, including Senio Calamete over Brendan Hymas. So I think some of these guys, maybe Pipkins and maybe Hymas, maybe not a right tackle, but they do get some more run this season because of the new bodies that are there on the coaching staff. Yeah. Absolutely. So shout out to uh, Bex for the super sticker. That is my and sister, then... Becca. Hello. Oh, okay. There we go. Run deep. Um, LA Chargers has the next super chat question. LA Chargers fan. Uh, good morning, gents. Happy Saturday. Thanks for all the content. It is appreciated. Who are we signing with the cat space created? I'd still like Hicks. So I know that this is uh, obviously something that we've talked about. The Chargers certainly have the cat space to go out and do this. Um, it, I feel like it's just a matter of do they still feel like the defensive line group is incomplete? Do they still feel like that they need a player like this? Obviously, Christian Covington is back now. You have Austin Jas Austin Johnson, Sebastian Joseph Day, of course, Jerry Tillery. So, Tyler, what do you make of the interior defensive line room with where it's at, and how do you see them 
potentially adding to that group to maybe add kind of a six body. I think this is kind of it, to be completely honest. If they go somewhere in the draft, I could totally see that. They've met with Neil Farrell Jr. They could do that later. But at this point, I think you have your starting three. It would take, I mean, it's been a year, about 365, maybe 420 days of firsts for this franchise under Brandon Staley. So them <laughs> taking true. Jerry Tillery and making him a backup rotational guy, it would certainly be a first, but I don't see them doing that. All signs indicate to him and Murray being those first round picks, being those starters playing 80, 85% of the snaps as much as we feel differently as fans. It's just the way it is. So I think they have their starting three, Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, Jerry Tillery. They have a backup in uh, Christian Covington. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like they could upgrade over Joe Gaziano, Fajoko. I don't quite know, you know, what they feel like they can do with him. But, you know, if they upgrade somewhere, it's like a depth draft, Cortez Brown sure. seventh round kind of thing. To me, I think their group is set. They have their three starters for sure. They have their backup for sure. And then maybe nose tackle two is up for grabs, but that's kind of a Covington sort of thing. So I don't know how that's going to work out, but I think they're mostly done at this point. I think Hicks is out of it unless they decide that Jerry Tiller is a backup pass rusher, which would be a huge step for this organization. <laughs> but I do not think they're ready to do that yet. Yeah, I don't think they're ready to do that. I think they know the writings on the wall with Jerry Tillery and they're not picking up that fifth year option. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of like Telesco demonstrated at his combine press conference, but uh, I don't think they're going to sign another defensive lineman. I would be kind of surprised if as far as with that cap space they created, I do think it'll be right tackle. And then I wouldn't be surprised if they take a flyer on an RB2 kind of guy. We've talked about Cordell Patterson a lot. Uh, the running back market has not really gotten moving that much at all. No. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's something just kind of, you know, as free agency goes on, um, you know, I think Leonard Fournette's probably back with the Bucks at this point, but that would kind of be fun. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think just going into the draft with Roundtree and Kelly as RB2s um, really does not sit right with me. Uh, so I, I feel like you probably get like a Dennis Kelly or slightly more expensive, you know, right tackle in terms of yearly ratio and then um, bring in a guy, whether that's uh, Cordell Patterson or someone else for RB2. Yeah, I, I think it makes uh, too much sense right now to sign one of these veterans, at least for, you know, a training camp competition. I mentioned Marlon Mack uh, yesterday. You know, we were talking about Sony Michelle. I, I think that's a possibility that this team could kind of explore and, um, I mean, at minimum, Joshua Kelly is looking for a new number, right? So uh, we know that JC Jackson is sticking with 27 as pretty much officially as possible now after he signed that helmet with the number 27. And uh, Alex, I've got to say one of your your better tweets in, in the history of our relationship after I, uh, I tweeted that out. <laughs> Yeah, um, Joshua Kelly fumbled that, huh? Uh, but no, I, uh, <laughs> I, I feel I feel bad for the guy. Uh, you know, it doesn't feel good to have your number taken like that. But uh, that that felt like an executive decision. I don't know if we have any uh, backroom dealings on. You know, whenever like an NBA player changes the number, an NFL player changes the number, there's like, oh, well, he offered him, you know, a new car or something like that. I don't think Joshua Kelly got that, but uh, I, w I wonder if he did get something in exchange for that number. I, yeah, I have to imagine he's at least getting a little, little something, something. Um, but yeah, with this uh, remaining cap space, I agree. I think right tackle is a priority. I also think that this team needs another defensive back of sorts, somebody that can play multiple positions at least and fill multiple spots. Um, whether that's a straight up corner or a slot corner or or whatever, they do need better depth there. I think you know heading into the season with Tavon Campbell as your CB four is. 
I mean, it's better than, you know, what the situation obviously was last year because you have J.C. Jackson instead of Chris Harris. But, you know, they do need better depth back there. And I think that's something that they can certainly address. You know, I mentioned Mike Hughes, Kyle Fuller, Bryce Callahan. Of course, Jerron Curse is still unsigned. The safety market is really another one that has not really gotten a ton of movement. So that could be something there. And then, you know, we'll get – I assume that Ode Bougie is back. I, I think at this point that's that's pretty likely. It's just a matter of when. And I think Steven Anderson is, is pretty safe in that regard as well. Steven, I'd like to alert you to Arjun trying to get on your nerves in the chat. <laughs> oh, I have the chat up because I, I'm at the next. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we just move the all pro left tackle? <laughs> I know. This whole thing of like, well, we could have two elite left tackles. It's like you, you you never know, honestly. Like you never know what happens with a player when you switch them positions and mess up their routine. And like Slater is already an elite left tackle. Why would you want to move him for like signing Torn Armstead? Like that's not happening because of cap space, right? Like there's just no chance. He's at least an elite player. Like I get that. But somebody asked me yesterday was like, well, what if we move Slater and sign Eric Fisher to play left tackle? I'm like, what the, why the hell would we do that? That makes zero yeah. sense. I mean, the way I look at it is there were the three top tackles taken in the draft last year. One of them did not move, and that person became an all-pro. The other two yeah. did move, and Sewell barely survived that season, but he did end up looking like he was really good. That's only because he's a super, super good prospect. Leatherwood got destroyed trying to move yeah. around from left tackle to right tackle than right guard, so... I don't see why you'd move a guy after watching something like that. <laughs> Makes no sense at all. Um, all right. Next, next super chat question here from uh, Joe Alexander. Uh, if Derek Stingles, Derek Stingley from LSU got past 13, would you guys be willing to move up? And what do you, what do you think we would give and let's go Bruins in the tourney? So uh, apparently a UCLA fan. Um, mm-hmm. If, if Derek Stingley falls past 13 and it, it honestly kind of sounds like that's a legitimate possibility at this point. Um, see, it sounds like people are in the round the league are really concerned uh, about his Liz Frank injury that requires season ending surgery last year. Um, so this is certainly a possibility that he falls past 13. I think with JC Jackson in tow, I would be pretty surprised if they traded up for a corner. I think if Stingley were at 17, then sure you pull that trigger. But I think with JC and Asante and Michael Davis, I'd be pretty surprised if they traded up for a corner. Yeah, I don't buy that they would. I mean, duh, they have their starter in Jackson. Duh, they have a starter in Samuel Jr. And then, you know, unless they're trying to trade him, Brandon Staley did say that he thinks Michael Davis is a starter in this league. Just not a corner one. So I think they're set. I'm not trading up for these guys. I'm not trading up for Stingles. And I'm a USC fan. So take your baby Bruin, baby bear stuff out of here. Yeah, uh, I don't have much on the California thing, but the NCAA tournament is dead to me after they screwed Rutgers <laughs> in the first four game. Doesn't doesn't count. Uh, anyway, it was rigged. But uh, yeah, no, you had I Kentucky think, winning the whole thing, man. It was a rough, oh, rough geez. start. Yeah, I didn't watch the tournament yet. I didn't watch the uh, St. Peter's game, and then I got home and checked my phone. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, all right, well, guess I'm out of guess I'm out of the Jack bracket challenge. But uh, yeah. no, I. Uh, I, I don't think they would trade up for Derek Stingley. I also don't think Derek Stingley's going to go before 17. I think he's probably going to be there for them to take him. Um, I, I think that the injury concerns are serious. And also, you know, in terms of tape, hasn't had that 2019 year 
that people have been wanting him to have, you know, since then. Uh, so, you know, plus I would imagine because of his injury, he's not going to do any of the testing pro day stuff uh, as well. So to, to me, I, I don't think they would have to trade up for him. Um, in terms of trade up possibilities, though, I mean, they're, <laughs> they're kind of limited in what they can do because they gave up their second round pick. Yeah. Uh, you know, I consult the trade chart here, Tyler, but uh, I, I don't know what a first and a third gives you moving up. Uh, but I don't think it's enough to move up four spots in the first round. You, you expect me to know that off the top of my head? Um, you, okay. You're the one who pra- praises the trade chart all the time. Right, I look at a chart. I am not the chart. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am not the chart. <laughs> I am okay. not the chart. Uh, 195, so that's 200. 950, you can move up to 13-ish. Okay, so, so first and third, so, of the Eagles. So seventeen okay. and the third gets you up to up ahead of the Eagles. That's and then Trey Pipkins is your starting right tackle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, well, yeah, and and the fact that they move the second round pick, I just think makes their third round pick in particular way more valuable to them than it previously was, and just yeah. like they have a need to hit on that pick now. So I don't think they'll trade up. The only situation where I could see them trading up and Steven's going to hate it. I, I do think that things are formulating for potentially to trade up for Jordan Davis. Oh, that that's, <laughs> that's the only scenario I could actually see happening. I don't see them trading up for anyone else. Trading up for a nose tackle. Oh my God. <laughs> I know you hate it, but that's the only one I could see happening out of the, the third round like, pick they give those. up is worth getting Jerry Tillery off the field. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, fair. Might um, make that deal now. Yeah, you, you, you change your mind completely. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I do think that um, trading down is is probably where I would if they do trade. I think trading down is, is more likely. I think they need to increase the amount of draft picks they have, not decrease. So um, I, I could see in terms of trading up, I could see them using some comp picks to trade up into like the fifth, like the fifth round, fourth round, maybe. But oh yeah. Um, in the first round, I, I can't really see them training up at this point. No, probably not. All right. So uh, Theory had a question as well, you know, concerning the new cap space. Wants to know about the Honey Badger, of course, Tyron Matthew. Um, this is really interesting because, you know, he was in on the Ravens. He was in on the Saints. And those two teams have uh, moved in other directions. Of course, the Ravens signing Marcus Williams. The Saints signing Marcus May. Um so this is, I'm like really surprised that Tyron doesn't have a new team yet. I don't know what mm-hmm. uh, is going on with his market or, or where that situation is, but you know, the safety market in general has just kind of come to a halt. And so I would imagine that he has a new team by like Monday, but um, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like the longer he waits to sign the, the less money he's going to get. I don't know what, be, what you guys think there. Hmm. I don't think he's coming to the Chargers at this point. No, definitely not. Definitely so, not. Um, but yes, uh, help in the secondary would be great. I just don't think it's him. Yeah, and I mean, I think they do like Nasir Adderley a lot. Uh, like that, I think, going into this year. I mean, if, maybe if they hadn't gotten J.C. Jackson and then they wanted to go get Tyron Matthew, I wouldn't be, have been surprised that that had happened. And, you know, Tyler Source indicated that it was kind of one of the two. Uh, and they ended up getting Jackson. So for me, uh, I don't see it happening at this point. Although, you know, like Steven said, I don't know what his market is because Tuesday it was like, hey, he's imminent. He's going to sign somewhere. And it's been crickets and radio silence ever since. So I don't really know what's going on there. 
but I don't see him landing on the Chargers. That yeah. sorry, this bit about Cordero Patterson, he did return to the Falcons from Mike Garofolo. Oh, just barely. What do you mean? Just now? Oh yeah, no, I just got posted. I'll just I'll just oh, send it in the chat. Well, that's thanks rude. for making my first five minutes irrelevant. <laughs> I mean, at least okay, at least he went back to the team rather than went to you know the Chiefs or something, and then I'm sitting there for the 80th mm-hmm. time trying to figure out yeah. what Brandon Staley is even talking about sometimes. Yeah. Finally, but, uh, top free agent goes to the NFC. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Cordero yeah, tweeted trade out. The AFC. Honestly. <laughs> Cordero tweeted out, so yeah, it's happening. Okay, well, never mind. Uh, okay. That's well, mean. Leonard Fournette. <laughs> Just like, yeah, I mean, for, signing Fournette would be a pretty... I don't know, because uh, he's is, been in a gap and power scheme for most of his career. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't know. know. That's Any a, running that's backs? Me. <laughs> I'm sort of at the point like Storm Norton, where it's like, just find someone in the middle of great and awful, and, and yeah. like, that'll work for me, Barbie, too. Can we find a Justin Jackson, but he doesn't get injured? <laughs> like, that's sort honestly, of where I'm at. <laughs> honestly, that really, like, it's... If Jackson could stay on the field, like, I, I hate to, like, keep talking myself yeah. into that guy, but, you know, I'm, mm. I'm looking up at sony michelle's statistics and justin jackson is you know on a per play basis just much more effective but it's like you know sony can actually stay on the field <laughs> yeah no i i think sony michelle would probably be their target if there was one at this point but i definitely think they want to get right tackle situated first yeah Ugh. all these connections to Cordero patterson for nothing man come on <laughs> yeah is it a one-year deal? Because I'll be doing this again next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. We should just do it every year. <laughs> Annual basis on February 1st, 2023. We will be talking about Cordero Patterson. <laughs> a whole 60-minute episode <laughs> dedicated. <laughs> oh, man. Too funny. But, uh, yeah. They'll, getting back to the secondary, they'll sign somebody. I just don't know if it'll be somebody big. Um, Frank, lots of secondary questions today. Um, Frank wants to know Vato struggled in the system. What about trading him and signing Gilmore? Use a third, fourth upside for CB. Would Gilmore even be a better fit for the scheme? What do you guys think? Uh, who would okay? I don't know who would want to trade for Michael Davis, to be honest. And as a starter, sort of with that contract, I don't know how the whole contracts and trade things work. Um, to me, I think him being back to CB2 is a plus. I think him not sustaining, well, being past that injury and past COVID at this point will be a plus for him. I think I really liked him to start the season. Not that he was very good to start the season. There are a few corners you can stick on Darren Waller and erase him, and he did that. And so I think him being CB2, a weapon in this system that's not the CB1, I think is a huge bonus for him. I actually think just keeping him is the right way to go. Yeah, I think they keep him for this year and then move on from him next year. Um, I I mean, trading him, I don't think that they're going to get much in return given the contract and, and sort of the deal that he's on. Um, as far as Gilmore, like, I mean, yes, Gilmore is better than Michael Davis, but like at what cost is, is kind of the thing there, right? So I, I, I don't see how it would really work. Yeah, like... Obviously, there's like the whole question of value, right? Like, what's what's the most kind of you know draft compensation you could get for Michael Davis? Like, 
fifth round pick, sixth round pick. Yeah, not much. And so I'm pulling up over the cap right now to make sure I get this right. But um, if you trade Michael Davis, you have a $4 million dead cap hit and you save $5 million. So is that enough for you to say, okay, I'm going to go sign Stefan Gilmore for $12 million, have a $4 million dead cap hit, and then also have to draft another corner? I just think that's a that's too many moving parts, in, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, if they had missed out on JC Jackson, I, I think Gilmore might be a charger already. Like, that sure. problem might have gotten done. Um, but, yeah, not after the Jackson signing. Yeah, I I still think that they they believe in his upside enough where they'll at least have him for next season or for this upcoming season, and then kind of reevaluate. Um, so I've gotten this question a bunch of times, so I wanted to talk about it from Francesco Valenti. Trent Brown is still available. So Trent Brown, um, the latest there is that he is visiting or has visited the Seattle Seahawks. He apparently really enjoyed his visit there. The Seahawks reportedly have made an offer. And so I I doubt that the Chargers would be interested in Trent Brown, A, because it's just not a scheme fit. He's spent most of his career in gap and power schemes. You know, the Chargers generally, I feel like, want their tackles to be much more nimble, quicker, have the ability to get to the second level, especially going into this new scheme with, you know, the, the heavy emphasis on, on outside zone and things like that. So, I don't think Trent Brown is a scheme fit. I also just don't think he's been very good outside of New England. Like we saw kind of what happened with the Raiders where he was out of shape and injured. And so I, I, I'm not into the idea of, of signing Trent Brown at all, to be honest. Yeah, I'm out on that one as well. Same. Great. Yeah, I'm not talking about Deshaun Watson today. So uh, please don't ask me to do that again. I have three younger sisters and my fiance and all the women in my family. So that's how I feel about that. I'll say that yeah. much. Uh, Tyler's mom, another super sticker. What's that? up? That was the most recent uh, super chat, right? No. Uh, a couple more. I mean, there's there's a random one, but I can't. From from Lawson Morasetti. What's the source saying? Uh, a lot of stuff, but nothing about free agency. Oh, Jesus Lorenzo asking about GMFB. When were they bashing Herbert? I saw Kyle Brandt say that he was the fourth quarterback in the division, which is absolutely ridiculous. But I think he's talking about that. Yeah. I, I take exception to all the media at this point. And the, I, <laughs> yeah, I'd, rather like... just, I'd rather just watch me on my own show. <laughs> Which is saying a lot because I don't even watch any of this. Yeah. I'd rather just watch, you know, us talk than them at this point because I, I just, the idea that Denver has the best offense in the AFC West, which is so stupid. Like, even if you don't want to say they're second, I could maybe get behind that. But come on, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And then, yeah, Herbert is quarterback four because of wins and interceptions, despite the fact that Herbert, you know, had the lowest turnover worthy play rate in the league last year. It's just so, I hate it. Oh my gosh. It was, it was rough. Kyle is, I don't know what happened. I, I used to really like watching Good Morning Football, and Kyle now I just I can't I can't stand watching him anymore. 
Yeah, um, before I tear apart Good Morning Football, thank you to Peter Schrager for coming on the show like two months ago. Uh, anyway, <laughs> before that, uh, yeah, I don't know why you guys watch this garbage on TV and then you're like, I'm surprised that it's garbage. Like, <laughs> that's kind of my reaction when anyone shares a clip from First Take or Good Morning Football. I'm like, the shows are designed to be that way. They're designed to just be people throwing hot takes into the ether. But uh, I, I didn't have too many reactions. I still haven't watched the clip, but I've heard everything that's been described of it. And uh, it, it makes sense that Kyle Brandt would say that, I guess. Uh, you know, noted Derek Carr fanboy. But uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, he's he's generally always been critical of Justin Herbert, too. So which I, I don't really understand. But, um, you know, in terms of good morning football, like I think some of what they do is really good. Right. Like I think Peter yeah. Schrager does you know generally fantastic work. Uh, please stop talking about Keenan Allen though. Like just <laughs> stop that. Um, but Kyle really has become like their skip Bayless. Like he's hot take central guy. And then he does his whole angry runs thing. And, and which is just kind of ridiculous to me, but, um, there's just, there, there's no way that Justin Herbert is the fourth best quarterback in the, in the division when he's probably the fourth best quarterback in the league. Like that's, that's just a ridiculous take. So um you know they they can do their own thing i've certainly stopped watching their show i know a lot of people kind of feel the same way um yeah i think there's better sources of football media at this point we'll get there at one point we're at five thousand <laughs> subs uh, the million go. to go there we go all right envy talent asking about rb2 austin eckler needs help uh we are on the same page for like we we talked about that a little bit Oh, we got we got a Chiefs fan in the chat. Okay, mm. all right. Chiefs Congrats fan, whatever on. your name is. Uh, do you think Herbert is the fourth best quarterback in the AFC West? We'll <laughs> go off what on they say. Congrats on Boo Boo Schuster, by the way. Yeah. Um, there, there's a bunch of Chiefs fans that are like, everybody of the Chargers are signing is super old. This isn't working. It's like. Uh, you guys enjoyed yeah. Melvin Ingram last year, right? And he's like yeah. 33. <laughs> So, just saying. I did kind of think it was funny. Uh, to go back to the uh, Twitter thing for a second, there were a bunch of Raiders fans after they got Khalil Mack who were like, oh, Chargers are just signing all of our old guys. I'm like, what the hell are you guys talking about? Like, you guys were the kings of signing all of our old guys. Now I assume Indianapolis will be that spot still. But, uh, yeah, no. Yeah, uh, they had, like, eight former Chargers on their <laughs> team, including, like, four coaches. What do you guys make of the Juju signing in, in Kansas City? I feel like that's a little interesting to me. I I think it's more interesting that he didn't sign there last year. And then yeah. it was like, oh, wait, that was a really dumb decision. Yeah. Now did it this year. Hmm. It's one of those things where sort of not washed up, but guy who's been underperforming that has performed high before is now going to opportunity where he could perform high again. Um, not everything works out in Kansas City. Like Josh Gordon definitely did not work out. I'm not saying it's the same thing. But you have these mm -hmm. high expectations sometimes. Um, you might have spent $5 in fantasy football to pick him up on the waiver wire. Not that I did that. Um, but, you know, I think, he, I think he'll at least be better. I just don't know how much better he can be. And, of course, as everyone has said at this point, I'm very much not looking forward to the TikToks. <laughs> yeah uh, i don't know what it is with the chiefs and the tiktok stuff but uh yeah sh subscribe to us on tiktok i'm supposed to say that for the kids um but anyway go. good job <laughs> uh, juju smith yeah 
I don't know. The Eagles were kind of in on Juju and I was very kind of opposed to it. Like I get why they would do it. It's low risk. You probably have them for a year or two. I think Kansas City is one year, 11 million. Like that's fine. Uh, if you're just kind of looking for like a, you know, one and done season where maybe Juju has a great year and gets a big contract somewhere else next year. Like that's probably like his strategy here. But yeah, the shoulder injury and shoulder surgery kind of makes it a no go for me, although he is still young. I think he's like, what, 26. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not like he's kind of washed up, you know, kind of entering his 30s. So he does still have like some prime left. I just question how much he has. But uh, going from the remains of Ben Roethlisberger to Patrick Mahomes, it's a start. Yeah, no, I think he'll be a good addition there. I'm not... Uh... I think it's, you know, they missed Sammy Watkins for the last couple of years when they didn't really have that other capable receiver. I'm just a little surprised they didn't go after somebody that's a little more uh, vertically inclined because that was kind of the issue last year with them is that everybody is playing too high against them. And outside of Tyree Kill, they didn't really have anybody that could go vertical. So I'm a little surprised by that. But I mean, Andy Reid is is going to figure a way out to, to get him to be a thousand yard receiver or something like that because he's a great coach. Um, all right, Chorizo Compapas with an interesting question. Uh, AFC power rankings as of today. I think obviously there's been a ton of movement. Um, to me, I'm not necessarily sure of the order specifically, but I think you have to start with the Bills at one, in my opinion, um, because of their addition of Vaughn Miller and because that's that really was kind of the missing piece is they needed a true star on defense to get after the quarterback. And, you know, they were first in pressure rate last year before getting Vaughn Miller. Now you have that guy. And so I think the bills head into the season as number one. And I probably would say the chiefs at two, just until we see them, you know, mm-hmm. kind of fall off or, or not be that consistent. I know they lost to the Bengals or whatever, but I think it's uh bills one chiefs two for me right now. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Bills one, Chiefs two. The, the Bengals is so tough because you, oh, you saw how far they got, but it felt yeah. like so much was bent on on luck, on their entire division collapsing around them, the easiest strength of schedule, their defense picking the ball. Like it was just such a Cinderella story for them. I don't know if that happens twice. So Bills, Chiefs. I mean, I don't want to say Chargers, but I like. I don't know, man. Is it is, are, they'd beat the Bengals? I think they'd beat the tight. Well, we'll see about the run defense. I think they'd beat the Colts. They have beaten the Chiefs. They have beaten the Raiders. They have beaten the Broncos. Obviously, very different teams now. Like, I, what, what do you think the Chargers would would fit in here? I think they are a top four team. No. Yeah, I mean, I, I think depending on how you want to rank the Bengals and Ravens, because I do think the Ravens are going to be better this year, um, you know, than they were with all the injuries that piled up on them last yeah. year. Um, and, you know, they ended up getting uh, Morgan Moses, right? So, I mean, that's going to be kind of a big boon for them. Uh, but they did lose out on Zadarius Smith, though. And I guess that's done yeah. now. So that if, <clears throat> if they had kind of kept Zadarius Smith, that would have been a pretty nasty addition to their defense uh, that maybe would have vaulted them for me past the Bengals uh, as crazy as that sounds to say I'd put the Chargers in the three to five range in general um, I think more interesting question just because of how attached to the AFC West we all are AFC West power rankings one to four go <laughs> Chiefs Chargers Broncos Raiders yeah I, I am mm-hmm. on them on the same page there um, I see I think I moved the Raiders ahead of the Broncos 
Um, kind of based on the Devonte thing, but also I do have some pretty serious concerns about Russell Wilson. Uh, mm-hmm. Arjun has brought up how he's looked about in the analytics. How he was 20th in EPA per play last year, and now he's going to be getting a ton of too high safety. Um, so they have the better roster, and I still think Russell Wilson's better than Derek Carr. But that Devonte Adams trade kind of swings things for me a little bit. I think I'll rank him over the Broncos. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily hate that. I, I think obviously getting Devonte Adams is is going to be huge for them. Um, they don't have an offensive line right now; <laughs> like they just don't. That's true. Um, I mean, Colton Miller being your best offensive lineman in twenty twenty two, that's just kind of doesn't really do it for me. And you know, who who knows what happens? They could certainly sign some players, right? They also, don't really have any good secondary players. Like, I mean, Casey Hayward was their best secondary member last year. He's now in Atlanta. You know, we still don't really know what, uh, shoot, what's his name? The kid from TCU, the the safety. Um, Merrick. Yeah, Trayvon Merrick. Thank you. We don't really know what he is. I mean, they could certainly sign Stephon Gilmore, and that, that can change things, right? But I have more questions about the Raiders still than I do the Broncos. And even with Russell's kind of struggle against two high safeties and things like that, and the new coach and, and everything, you know, at least the – they have a good offensive line. They have good secondary pieces. So I, I think the Raiders is, is still fourth for me. Um, yeah, getting back to the question, though, I do think the Ravens are in that conversation. And so I think you have, you know, in terms of tiers, right, I think the Bills and Chiefs are clearly tier one. And then I think you have Ravens with a healthy Lamar. They were the one seed until Lamar got hurt. Like, they were eight and three yeah. sitting pretty. So um, once Lamar gets healthy and things like that they'll get their running backs back this year which will be huge for them morgan moses marcus williams whoever they do whatever they sign whoever they draft at edge is going to be a big upgrade uh opposite of odafe owe so you know i'm excited to see what the ravens do this year so i think in that second tier you have the ravens chargers and, and Bengals, like you guys are saying the browns much as i don't want to talk about it i think it's kind of dependent on what happens to him this year yeah, uh, tell me how many games he's suspended for. Right. right. But the Chargers can win a shootout with the Browns, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Yeah, the Titans, I think, obviously, are real, the Titans are going to, you know, cakewalk their way to the division in the playoffs again. Like, the, that division is awful, but I don't necessarily look at the Titans as contenders, right? Like, they just cut Julio Jones, and I don't really think they've done necessarily anything to, like, drastically improve their team right now. So... They're on the outside looking in in terms of the top five, but they'll be in the playoffs. So there's just <laughs> there's no other team in the AFC South that's good enough to to win that division. So it's it's just so weird that the Colts have fumbled this quarterback thing for oh so long gosh. now, for so many years, and now they're probably going to go get Baker Mayfield as a result of the Browns thing. And I'm like, okay, because um, I I want to put them as like the team to watch for and the team to leap over the Titans, but not until you get a quarterback. Yeah, I would much rather be in that division. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Well, uh, I'll trade places with the Houston Texans right now in, in terms of division. Like, please. Um, all right, trying to find another good question here. All right, so we'll take questions for about 15 more minutes. So uh, if you haven't had the chance to ask a question, make sure and do that. Um, Matt pointing out that the Chargers schedule next year is kind of brutal. 
Um, obviously, they have the whole AFC West. They play the NFC West. Uh, the Cleveland Browns are in there as well. So really, like, the only easy games next year, I think, are the Seahawks, the Texans, and the Falcons, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, if you're a great team, you got to prove it. So, Yeah, to me, it's all about... Like, I'm glad the Chargers have many years to get this done. To me, just make the postseason. If you get the one seed, great. But to me, just get into the postseason. That's everyone's goal at this point, obviously. But I feel like more than any year this year, get into the postseason and then try to win in there, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I I do think it is a really hard schedule, but it is primarily based on the AFC West thing. And all of the AFC West teams have to beat up on each other. So it's kind of just like be the second best of those teams if you still think the Chiefs are on top. Um, obviously, I, I would love if they could beat the Chiefs, but it's not like the Chiefs have an easy schedule either. They got to play the Bills and, and go through those teams too. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would probably say, I, I mean, it's a brutal schedule, but at, at the same time, all the AFC West teams are going to beat up on each other. Yeah, and like I think whoever goes four and two in the division, like that's a huge advantage. Like I, mm-hmm. I think all these teams could realistically split with everybody and everybody's three and three in the division. Like it's just, I've, I've never seen anything like this in, in any sport, right. Where all four teams are probably in the playoff picture and all four teams are probably going to win like at least 10 games. So it's just crazy. All these teams could realistically tie with anyone too. Yes. 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 Uh, on that same note, uh, most anticipated Chargers game of 2022. What do you guys think? Hmm. I mean, it kind of has to be the Rams game for me. I think that's the one that just feels the most yeah. like it's it's battle for the city. We've all been talking about it for a long time, but it's never been in SoFi like this huge clash defending Super Bowl champions. So uh, I think that's the most anticipated one for me for sure. I'll say Chargers, Raiders, Vegas. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously the way the season ended, I, I could definitely see that being a Sunday night football game again. That just kind of, you know, the Chargers Rams probably will be one too, just based on, you know, how much they want to put so high on TV. And, you know, Chargers Rams just makes a lot of sense for a Sunday night game. But uh, yeah, the way the season ended um, and, and both teams have made significant improvements in the offseason, the whole AFC West is going to be, uh, Thursday, yeah. Sunday, Monday, whole show uh, with all those kind of primetime games. But um, yeah, there's just part of me that wants to get back at him and, you know, slap Derek Carr down again and put him back in his place. <laughs> I could definitely see that being a week one matchup, too, by the way. Oh, yeah. You know, that Monday night football doubleheader just kind of screams yeah. AFC West. And so I, I think that's that's going to be fun. I, I would have been super excited about the Seahawks game and then they traded russell wilson mm. so yeah yeah you know, the, the the chargers used to be on that doubleheader every year and then you know when i mean when i was younger and then they kind of stopped that and put like other teams on but yeah that would be kind of a way to bring that back or they could put them on the sunday night game because i assume the rams are going to be the opener on thursday night yeah i uh I'll, I'll say the rams too like tyler i do think there's a couple other intriguing matchups but you know, the Rams did just win the Super Bowl, so that's going to be uh, a, a big one for sure. I just don't hate the Rams. Like, they're, I don't know. No, I don't they're hate very, them either. Very, that's the thing. Like, they're a very antiseptic team. Like, you know, I'd rather, yeah, like Chargers Chiefs, Chargers Raiders. I, I just feel like those are kind of the matchups. Um, 
there's the possibility that that Chargers Cardinals game is a Mexico one, right? So, I mean, that could also be kind of yeah. very popular with, um, you know, the Chargers played in Mexico last time a couple of years ago. So that could be fun. But yeah, I'll say I'll say Chargers Raiders is mine. Yeah, I was I was kind of hoping that game uh, sticks in Arizona. That'd be a really fun uh, and easy, mm. you know, road game to attend. But yeah, we'll see. Um, we've got a couple of questions today about Andre Roberts. Um, we haven't really gotten an update. He did send kind of a cryptic tweet to uh, somebody had tagged him and was like, why isn't Andre Roberts getting the same kind of love as everybody else? And uh, he kind of said, like, teams don't like signing older players kind of comment. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was kind of hinting at potentially not coming back to the mm-hmm. Chargers. And that's not necessarily a surprise to me. I do think that... Yeah. You know, with the way that Ryan Ficken was able to kind of get his return man in the draft and, you know, they they signed the most expensive long snapper in the sport and Dustin Hopkins to a new extension. I could see them kind of focusing on the draft for those other two specialist roles. I God, I hope they're not moving on. Like, I get why you can't commit to him long term, but like, hello, second team all pro. Goodbye, second team all pro. I know. (laughs) Why would you do that? Like he, what was it? Like he had four returns for like 300 yards at one point. It was just ridiculous, this ridiculous average for him. Like he was kind of saved some of their season, it felt like, and really sparked them. I really, really hope that he's back. And I hope that, you know, maybe they were waiting for Cordero Patterson to sign to figure out what he was going to do. Now that Patterson has signed, you have your returner like this is your returner you should stick with him yeah patterson is the one scenario where it was like okay if they let roberts walk i kind of understand why um we haven't even started building the statue yet so you know you can't know. You can't cut him now we still have to do that uh so yeah i i i i guess if you're looking back on like what ryan ficken's gonna do you know he kind of did reset the whole special team staff when he got uh when he was a special teams coordinator with the vikings this year but yeah, I mean, I just feel like Andre Roberts is not a guy that you reset. Um, it just makes too much sense. Yeah, I, I, I like. I think Roberts wasn't necessarily like a great punt returner. So, like, if they wanted to find a, punt, a better punt returner in the draft and still bring back Roberts for kickoff duty, I think that's more than fair. And ideally, you know, you get Roberts a little bit more involved in the offense this year. But I, it doesn't really make sense to me why he's not coming back and this like you guys are saying that's Cordero Patterson was the alternative there mm-hmm. um all right super chat from uh Dago 619 Cali factor I feel like we've talked a ton about Kaiser White and Bobby Wagner so I, I don't really want to you know rehash that but he mentions Jason Pierre Paul as a, as another name that he would like to see um the Cowboys did sign Dante Fowler yesterday so maybe that secondary pass rusher market gets mm-hmm. moving uh, Alex, any thoughts on signing JPP or what's your kind of alternative for that third edge rusher spot? Yeah, I just feel like we're aiming too high on the names. Like, I don't think we're going to get um, a high quality like edge rusher three like that after the Mac trade. Um, if the Mac trade hadn't happened, and it's also just how they structure the roster too. They keep four edge rushers. And so Bosa and Mac are going to be at the field practically at all times. So there's not a whole lot of like utility for like a JPP, I feel like in, in coming here um, just in terms of like what the role he would have is. So I, 
I kind of think they'll Rumpf is obviously kind of your edge four, maybe quasi edge three if he takes a leap. Uh, and then I do think they'll probably get someone in the vein of like a, a Fackrell vigil signings in the past, but I don't think they're going to make like a, a big move kind of like that. Yeah, even Jason Pierre-Paul with that age, with him, I mean, just looking at it, compared to all the other free agents, like, you know, 26th in pass rush win rate out of 30, you know, 22nd in run stop. Like, you know, you go a little bit higher and you find those younger guys. And I, I hate to kind of steal Steven's article, but, you know, Lorenzo Carter, Tack McKinley, those guys are younger and just, you know, a good notch ahead of Jason Pierre-Paul in terms of productivity and win rate and all that. So that's where I'd lean, but I, I don't really have, I don't have a strong feeling either way. It's not like I've watched these guys and can tell you how they fit in the scheme and you know, right. what they did last year. Just based on the numbers, Jason Pierre-Paul and his age, I, I'm not really a, a huge fan of that. Yeah, I think the the idea of like signing an expensive older veteran would have made more sense if they had gone the route of re-signing Uchenna and Wosu instead of getting Khalil Mack. And then you kind of supplement that with a JPP, Justin Houston kind of player. And, and you know, then you have, you know, two good number two rushers as opposed to a, a true number one in Khalil Mack. So I think you are looking at that younger, cheaper route, you know, Tack McKinley, Lorenzo Carter, like Tyler said, um, <laughs> The Kyler Fackle thing could certainly be in play at this point, maybe. Chase Schefter. Uh, Chase Schefter, Chase Bendel, uh, <laughs> said that that probably is not going to happen, according to uh, Kyler Fackle's best friend. Um, but I, I, I do think that it's turning towards them signing a, a cheaper veteran young player to kind of be that backup because, again, you know, the, the edge rusher group at 17 is just – you know, George Karloftis, like, I, I don't necessarily think that's a clean scheme fit. And with Ojabo's injury, you know, he's not, he's going to be off the table. So, um, and, and you can't go into the season with Chris Rumpf as your third edge rusher, as much as people, um, you know, love his personality and things like that. You just, you can't do that. So I, I think you need a, a reliable third option, much in the same vein as you need a reliable right tackle and a reliable RB2 and things like that. What are some of your guys from Clinton Sims? What are some of your underrated options for 17? I propose that the highest graded players on their board at the time of 17 might be one of the linebackers. What do you guys think? Ooh, this is because of who you watched yesterday, huh? Yes. I mean, I've watched I watched <laughs> Dean, obviously, and then yesterday I watched Devin Lloyd. And I think there's a world where, while they might not rank these guys as high on the board because they're linebackers and inside linebackers, it might be one of the best you know, graded players on their board. I could see it. Like I'm obviously not a fan of taking a linebacker at this point. I don't even think they will, but drew like Neiman, Ogbong, Bamigo, those are developmental guys, year three, year four guys, core special team sort of guys. Tranquil's on his way out pretty soon. And, you know, you can't really rely on him to stay healthy. I think there's a chance that linebacker would be in play. And it's not like he's taken, you know, a linebacker in the first round before. So I think you can, I think it's possible. Yeah. I think you could talk yourself in a linebacker. That one kind of makes sense. Um, it feels like the top of the draft before the chargers at this point is moving more to like the skill position slash like the combine hype guys. And that's not necessarily yeah. like the linebackers. Um, so to me, I, I think that you could still probably have like a Devin Lloyd slash Nicobe Dean, maybe on the board by the time the chargers pick um, not, too far out of the realm uh can he pick it anyone uh we can go grab kenny pickett at 17 
But uh, no, I there's not really any underrated options. Like, I mean, I feel like everyone's kind of properly rated outside of them potentially going linebacker. Like, we've talked about defensive tackle to death. We've talked about wide receiver, especially more so in the last week. So um, I don't think there's anyone else that I'm not thinking of at this point, especially now that the edge options have sort of been taken off the board. Yeah, it does seem like edge tackle are kind of off the board there. Um, you know, I was messaging Tyler back and forth after he was watching him, watching Devin Lloyd. And, you know, I do think that Devin Lloyd is, is kind of like the perfect Staley linebacker, you know, as, as much as people kind of hate me talking about Utah on this show. But um, like he is, man, like he can do everything that Brandon Staley wants his linebackers to do. I do think that he is worthy of a 17th overall selection you know we'll kind of see how you know he stacks up so i i think linebacker could happen but i think it would take like you know jameson williams burks um the corners mcduffie booth i think it would take like a, a good run on other positions for them to go with a linebacker and i think you know they don't have a second round pick anymore so i i do think that linebacker is kind of on the back burner but i'm definitely not saying that it's not possible um, my person that I would mention here is Kair Elam and, uh, or Elam or how you say the corner from Florida. I know that we've kind of talked most about McDuffie and Booth at 17 and, and rightfully so. I think those two are cleaner prospects, but you know, we, we know how Brandon Staley kind of values competition and playing at your best versus high end competition. And I know that he's going to watch that Florida tape versus Alabama and watch Kyrie Elam lock up Jamison Williams mm-hmm. as best as he possibly could and watch him against Georgia and watch him against all these teams and go, okay, like this is a guy that I can work with. This is a kind of corner that I can, you know, he's not a great tackler, but you can work on that. Right. But you can't teach what Elam has and his ability to be that press cover corner. And I think he's really kind of the best in that regard outside of sauce Gardner. So mm-hmm. I can see Kyrie Elam being a, a sneaky choice here at 17 someone mentioned uh travis jones in the chat and sure. i don't think that's crazy if the hype on davis kind of goes high and maybe say devonta wyatt is like off the board um chargers don't have a second round pick anymore uh and you can't really you could move back probably a couple spots but outside of that you don't have like too much flexibility um anymore so that kind of could be one, maybe not at 17, but if they trade back to like 2021 or whatever they want to do, um, I don't think that one's crazy. Yeah, not bad. Uh, I think Elam is definitely an option for them. It's it just it's a different corner presence in their room that they right. don't have. Even with JC Jackson being an all pro, it's different. Asante Samuel Jr., the way I feel about him, it's just different. And I, I think that's, I think it's possible. He's not like one of my top corners by any means, but well, not one of my top like two or three corners by any means, but he's certainly yeah. up there. I think he'll probably be, top five for me so yeah i'm certainly i would i would get it it would add a very different player to their room and make a very diverse room for them and when davis i mean at this point that would mean davis would be leaving the following year i think that would be a a pretty solid addition to make and to add that to your corner room and have a really really good solid room there yeah and you know i think in the future right you have elam asante samuel jr and jc jackson like that's that's a corner trio that, you know, I would pay big time money to, to see happen. So um, I, I think it is possible. It's going to be, you know, n- not necessarily for the Chargers. I do think Trent McDuffie is a really clean scheme fit for the Chargers, but I'm just really curious to see how the short arms there affects his stock because 
we have a very, very small list of corners who have been effective in the NFL with sub 30 inch arms. And I think Trent McDuffie is a really, really good player. I think his personality and the way that he works at his game is, is will lend itself to him being success successful, but we just, the short arms man could knock him off of several teams boards. So I'm curious to see if he ends up still being a first round pick, if he slides to the second round or something like that. I had like a snarky comment, but I'm going to leave it. <laughs> okay. Envy uh, Talent with another super chat. Any way to replace Ty Long? I think there are several draft options here. I know everybody <laughs> in Chargers land loves Matt Ariza. They absolutely cannot take him in the fourth round at this point without a second round pick. So I, I think you're looking at kind of a sixth round, seventh round punter selection at this point. And uh, there are several in this class that I think are, are good punter prospects, at least according to you know, their numbers on pro football focus. Perhaps they should uh, break the bank for Johnny Hecker, who was statistically work and worse than Ty Long last year. I think he just signed with the Panthers, actually. Oh, yeah. he just signed with the Panthers? Missed yeah. that one. Like yesterday, I think. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> Any thoughts, Tyler? No, because like, what, what am I supposed to say? Um, Competition. Like, just get a punter that I'm not going to do any homework on. Just whoever it is. <laughs> I mean, I will say whoever they had last year, Lachlan Edwards. Lachlan Edwards. Wow, that wasn't a made-up name. Okay. Uh, I saw him shank a punt at the scrimmage, and, like, that was his competition. So anything better than that would be great. I just saw Brett's comment about me being a Utah fan. Well done, Brett. Uh, Dean is really small, so I, I think that probably takes you know the whole testing thing with Dean is is really weird. Someone in our YouTube comments, not this, but previous comments, uh, said trade up or use your third round pick on uh, Matariza, so uh, mm. let's not do that. No. I, I don't know what like people keep inching forward with where they want to take. <laughs> I know, and, like me, like like I understand wanting to get him, but like fifth round is my absolute max, and you'd have to yeah. convince me your team is really freaking like well taken care of. To me, it should be sixth round, and I'd feel good about it there. And if not, just take the other punter who might average one fewer yard and point zero five less seconds of hang time. Yeah, I, I think in, in general, like I feel good enough about each draft class, generally speaking, that you can find like a potentially future starter up until the fifth round, like, you know, yeah. Brennan Hymas, Chris Rumpf, you know, whatever the case may be. I feel like there's at least a chance that you can get a position starter up until the fifth round. And this once you get to the sixth, seventh round, they're all dart throws anyway. It's all kind yeah. of, you know, Nick Neiman has a great RES score, not necessarily great film you're kind of working with him <laughs> larry roundtree you know Mark not a Webb, great res so, score yeah not great res score so it's it's all kind of dart throws it's all kind of, that's when you're kind of like oh ideally this person becomes like a core special teams contributor alohi gilman you know kj hill like that kind of player once you get mm -hmm. to that point then sure go take a punter go take a kicker yeah. go draft a log snapper <laughs> if you want but don't need you know, to draft it, one of those anymore. Yeah, don't need to draft a long snapper. We have the highest paid long snapper in the league. Um, sure. But once up until that point, I'm just like, would I rather have Brendan Hymas 
or Matt Ariza. Like I'm going to take the guy who can potentially become a future starting offensive lineman. Same thing with Chris, Chris Rumpf. You know what I mean? Like if you're talking to me in the sixth round, sure. Fourth round, third round. Absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, and we talk about the later rounds as dart throws, but I also think people, people just because of like Evan McPherson and the success of that, like special teams is a dart throw. Like how many kickers have been taken in the yeah. fifth or sixth round that don't work out. Right. Uh, the Patriots took that kicker a couple of years ago. Rohrwasser <laughs> gets cut, uh, you know, for on and off the field reasons. Um, but, uh, you know, that didn't really work out. And then, you know, uh, obviously there've been a bunch of kickers and then, Justin Tucker's go undrafted. Rodrigo Blankenship yeah. goes undrafted, right? So you kind of have those as like examples. Uh, I, I just think of like, it, it's really hit and miss. And I think it's really hit and miss when you get to special teamers um, anyway, because you just don't know how those guys are going to translate in the league even more so uh, than the other guys. So I'm not against it in the fifth or sixth round if the Chargers really have filled out this team well. But I will just point out, it became a little bit harder to fill out this team even though they got Khalil Mack, they did give up a second round pick to go do it. So now they do have one fewer, you know, day two draft pick to work with. Yeah. And as, um, where'd it go? Five YVO three points out, like Brandon Staley loves going for it on fourth down. Like that's not going to change. Yeah. So drafting a punter in the fourth round is going to punt arguably less than, you know, half the league. I just, I just, I, I can't get behind that idea at all. Alternatively, they never kick field goals or punt. Yeah, they just signed a long snapper to the biggest deal uh, ever. So. That's true too. <laughs> That's true too. All right. Well, uh, we'll find one more question and then we'll head out for the day. Okay. Um, make it a good one. Make it a bad one. Oh, make it a bad one. <laughs> make it a Give bad us a one. bad one instead. Man, this uh, original one guy really hates Kenneth Murray. <laughs> all right all right all right no listeners we are not re-signing kaiser white we're not re-signing him because everyone says it resign and so it's actually your fault he's not coming back <laughs> <laughs> no that uh that ship has has definitely settled original one use a different verb literally any other verb <laughs> good job oh, God. all right now i can't scroll up. there we go um right, i'm trying to find a good question if you guys find one first go for it uh it's a little early for me to uh, talk about corners but where would slate let's talk about slater where would slater rank in this year's draft class Ooh. i'm gonna say third I would have prop. him. I would have him ahead of Evan Neal, probably wow, right okay. behind Iki Iquanu. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I yeah, think to I me think it would come down to the right. missing a year thing. Well, yeah, that's also different because if he was yeah. in this draft, he would have played last year. So that that's kind of an interesting that's thing true. too. Yeah. Asante. I'll, I'll... That's the more interesting one. We all loved Asante in terms of our grades. I think he was. CB three for me. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Was no, I think because I had JC Horn one. Uh-huh. And then okay. I think I had Newsom second and then uh Asante three. Cause remember I, I wasn't a huge Sertan guy, remember? Holy crap. No, I think you had Sertan three. There's no way it's not Sertan. I'll, I'll look it up. 
Yeah. I'm pretty sure you, I, had, you I think you changed it by the end though, and you had Sertan too. Okay. Did did you not? I I'm pretty sure you did. Too. I know I had JC Horn as one. I know that for yeah. sure. I I think you changed it towards the end and had Sertan at two, but I could be wrong. Okay. A little That's bit Tyler of the Google sheet. Oh, chill. Um, okay, let's see. Corner, corner, corner. Um, if you must know, you had JC Horn, then Patrick Sertan. Okay. Yeah. That's what I then Asante Samuel Jr. Then I probably Greg lowered Newsom. Probably lowered Newsom because of the medical things. Yeah, that's kind of what I Yeah, that, that was what happened. Okay. Then now Paul Adebo at five. Oh, my God. Eric Stokes, six. Melifonwu, seven. I don't know where Melifonwu even is. I think is in Detroit. They moved him to safety, though. Samuel Jr. is my CB five ahead of Stokes, but uh, but we had loved his tape. I remember we we were huge fans of his, and yeah, you know, we're not even considering him being available at forty seven. So yeah, no kidding. Um, I, I do see a lot of Samuel Jr. in someone like Booth. I'd have to uh, Booth is taller. Right, I'm curious what their yeah. athletic profiles are like. Because they do say a, a sort of a similar scrappy burst pass defense. Yeah, I mean Samuel's kind of like he sort of has like the short arms of McDuffie with like the scrappiness of Booth. Um, so yeah. like maybe he falls in that kind of range. Um, yeah, like CB three or four, I don't think is crazy. I would definitely have Sauce and. You know, Booth is Booth is really high for me, so mm-hmm. I would have yeah. those two ahead of him. I think Derek Stingley really is going to be the one where you know I I kind of struggle with ranking him because of mm-hmm. you know his 2019 tape is so so good, but he that was three years ago, so you know that one's going to be tough for me. I think probably CB five behind. McDuffie and Booth and Stingley and Sauce is is where I would say that would start for me. Uh, but I, I really like Kyer Elam too, and I do think he's probably a better NFL prospect than Asante was. So I would say five or six probably. Yeah, Ooh, Elam. Dude, that's an interesting discussion. Elam versus Samuel Jr. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the height difference, the length difference is evident. Um, I yeah. think Samuel Jr. is probably less penalized, if I'm not mistaken. I do think he's a bit. So, like, Elam has this thing where if he can't get his hands, I think it was, I think I should think it was Florida State. Then when he was playing uh, Samuel Jr.'s old team, like a little small. Is Tyler frozen to you, Alex? Yeah, he is. Okay. Uh, uh, while while Tyler's frozen, uh, I do think we should address this question <laughs> from Omar Reyes, and maybe we should end it on this banger while Tyler's frozen. Breakfast oh. burritos or breakfast sandwich? Tyler is no longer frozen, so... Okay. Mm. <laughs> I, th- I think what Tyler was about to say is that uh, Kyrie Elam does need some work in, in off-and-zone situations, and I, I do definitely agree with that. Sure. Um, uh, I'm breakfast... taking breakfast burritos, though. Yeah, me too. Burritos. All three of us agree. Yeah. Look at that. I, I just Rook and I have this discussion all the time because, like, for me, a sandwich, like a sandwich, even if it has like an egg on it, like that's a that's a lunch thing for me. I don't, like I don't know. My brain just associates sandwich with lunch and not breakfast. You you scarfed one down for dinner a couple shows ago. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a that was a 
uh, muffin though, or an, an English oh. muffin. Oh, Alex, okay. where do you stand on the waffles, pancakes, French toast? Oh debate? yeah. Ooh. Um. See, the thing is, when you lose like forty pounds, you stop eating that stuff because it's bad for <laughs> you. <laughs> um. I think I go waffle. I I think if if you make me choose, I go waffle between them. Pancakes. I don't know. Like I feel like they're. Unless you go to like IHOP or something and you get like one of like the really sugary like garbage ones, like I, I don't know, but mm-hmm. yeah, probably waffle. I think uh, for me, French toast is is the breakfast king. I, I think you can just do so many different things with it, and it's just the best tasting one. Um, I would put waffles second, and then pancakes three. Like it's just I'm not a huge pancake guy, you know. And just I think they're kind of yeah. boring and. Unless you put like chocolate chocolate chips in them, I think it's just uh, they're just kind of boring. Yeah, I, I grew up on the like my meal before I had a competition was chocolate chip pancakes with strawberries and whipped cream and syrup and all that, and that was Ooh, kind of like what nice. I grew up with. So to me, it's like that emotionally sits there with me. I do think French toast has the highest ceiling, but can be pretty bad. <laughs> there you go. Uh, pancakes is a nice low floor. High versatility. We're talking about, We're talking about yeah. draft prospects, baby. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying um, to figure out which one of them is the, the white guy, blue collar. Uh, guy. That's probably I will like, say, uh, I will say being from the East Coast, I think bagels outrank all of them. Yeah. Bagels uh, outrank love, all of pancakes, bagels. waffles, yeah. French toast. Oh, mm, pozole or menudo and for early Sunday morning breakfast? Nah. Ugh. Not a not a menudo guy. It was my least favorite food in Mexico. Um which one's menudo again? I don't remember which it's, one that is. It's like the chewy soup. Oh, yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> what a sell. Um, <laughs> it's not versatile, but it has it a potential high ceiling. No. Um, <laughs> breakfast, croissant, breakfast croissants, though. Absolutely recommend mm-hmm. those as well. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. That's going to do it for our Q&A today. Went uh, a little longer than I anticipated, but... Uh, Apparently, Menudo is good for hangovers. I don't drink, so that's probably why I don't like it then. Um, so we're going to go live tomorrow for our usual Sunday show. Have some uh, free agency free agency things to uh, talk about. Hopefully, we get some uh, other signings to uh, discuss as well, but uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So thank you guys for tuning in today. That's going to do it for us, and we'll see you tomorrow. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.